Lloyd t-shirt. Oh my God, bringing it back in the day. <laughs> yes. Oh, it was such a great night. It was so good. So you went to a Backstreet Boys concert last yeah. year. Yes. In June with my, with one of my best friends. Um, I, I gifted it to her for her birthday, but actually it was a gift for me. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> I really like, we both were like back in the day when we were teenagers, obviously we were Backstreet Boys fans. So um, yeah, that was amazing. Well, I did not know this about you. So let's introduce you so people can catch up with who you are and why we're chatting. <laughs> and then we'll get deep into the back, Backstreet Boys chat. Wow. This is going to be a Backstreet Boys podcast then. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I did not expect this. <laughs> <laughs> so you are? I am a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> I'm Nadia. Hi. Nadia um, Meli. Uh, I am an Italian born, raised in Germany. Uh, and now I live in beautiful Brighton. So, I mean, we're basically neighbours. We are neighbours. We are. And it's a lovely sunny day here. And it's it's a little bit sad um, that we're, we're not, I think it's one of the, the first sort of spring feeling days of the year. And normally we'd be out, I think, doing nice things like yeah. pottering in the garden or walking on the beach or meeting yeah. up with our friends. And um, yeah. sadly... The entire planet is in is in lockdown instead. Yeah, I, I did go outside this morning for a bit, just for a walk. <laughs> yeah, um, trying not to bump into people. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is kind of it is it is sad to see the sun outside and be like, oh, I have to sit inside. But hey, but you have a garden, right? Yes, I do have a garden. I mean, say garden. It's a, it's a bit. I haven't been out there. Uh, for quite a while so everything's a bit overgrown um so that's on oh. my list of to do you know things that I want to get achieve while we have this downtime but I don't know about you but I feel as busy as ever <laughs> um no I don't <laughs> um, <laughs> not really but then you have other things obviously you have projects um like the photography farm um that demand your attention yeah, there's a certain amount of stuff I can do from home and do online. Obviously, everything's very, very different. So all of the other podcasts that we've recorded, we have done in the run up to what mm -hmm. should be next week should be our Thrive event. And this is the first one that I'm recording where we know for a fact that it's had to be postponed until October. Um, AC. Yes. My my friend said it's going to be like with BCAC, like before Christ, after Christ. It's going to be the same with Corona. <laughs> before You're right. Corona, after Corona. <laughs> exactly. You're right. I mean, it's it's the world is never going to be the same again. And maybe yeah. for the better, maybe. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but well, yeah, so I think. We're not whole... really after yet. We're still like in the middle of it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I feel a bit like if this is how you're describing it, then we're right at the nativity part of it. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, definitely here in the UK. Yeah, it's the nativity. Mm. Merry yeah. Christmas. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, but you're, so you're originally, like you said at the beginning, you're originally Italian. I am. You're born in Italy. Another, another sad topic. <laughs> I know. So how's your family doing? You're... <laughs> 
Um, thank you for asking. They're fine. Um, so my family is okay. None of them is infected as of today, as mm -hmm. far as I know. Um, and they have to be inside now anyway. So um, they will hopefully stay healthy. Um, yeah, so my, my family in Italy and friends in Italy are okay. Um, and it, it, they're also in the South, they're in Sicily. So the, the very big part of the virus like is, is happening in the North of Italy more mm -hmm. than in the South. So, um, but yeah, they're okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, just taking it a day at a time. But yeah, that's where I'm from, Sicily, originally. <laughs> oh, beautiful. So, well, you didn't grow up in Sicily, did you? So your parents were from Sicily. You've still got family in Sicily. Um, yeah. But the, why did they move to from sunny Sicily <laughs> to Germany? Why would anyone do that? Um, for work, of course. Um, yeah, I was a year old when we moved. Um, so I didn't really, uh, I don't have memories growing up there. I do have, um, childhood memories from the summer holidays cause we would go every summer, but, um, yeah, I, I lived in, I've lived in Germany from the age of one and, um, basically, yeah, my parents moved for work and they're still in Germany mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, my brother's there as well. Yeah. And I, I think I am more German in my, in my head and how I take my mentality is definitely more German than Italian. So yeah. you speak, obviously you speak German, obviously you speak amazing English. Um, do you speak like really fluent Italian? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I speak it. Like I write it. I, at home we always spoke Italian. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So any, and do you speak any other languages? no that's enough but that could be that could be a project for now <laughs> for the lockdown i downloaded Duol duolingo duolingo is it oh yeah yeah app. and um i i started like learning arabic oh wow well learning i started like with the alphabet a few nights ago um yeah just for just for fun because i think for some reason i don't know i've always thought i would like to learn it um mm -hmm. and everyone in the uk thinks I am Middle Eastern. Oh yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, and so I'm like, maybe I could fool people if I learn Arabic. Yes, and start dressing a bit differently. Because at the minute you're dressed in a Backstreet Boys T-shirt. Yes, a... <laughs> what do, What does that mean, though? Like anyone could be a Backstreet Boys fan. <laughs> yes, of course, but I just think, yeah, right now you look like a teenage Brit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do look like a teenager right now, uh, <laughs> an old teenager. Yeah, but oh. uh, so that's what I started. Like, I'd love to learn that. I mean, I do speak a bit of, not fluently, but I do speak a bit of French and Spanish because it is obviously um, they're Roman languages, so mm. they are similar to Italian, but um, not nothing, nothing crazy. That's an, I think three languages is fine. What do you think? Oh God, I mean, I'm rubbish at language, um, really bad. And I really wish that I did speak more. Like I obviously did, you know, my French up till the age of 16, which is compulsory at school. But anytime I've been to France, like yeah, I went to, um, to Disney last year with the kids, like just me and my two daughters. Hmm. And of course, every conversation that I began in French, they were just like, shut up, you can't speak French. <laughs> Do they speak French, your daughters? Uh, well, not my, like a little, like school language. They're still quite young. But um, 
Yeah, you know, and, and I was quite proud of myself that I could converse in French and get what, you know, ask for what I needed. But of course, at Disney, everybody just responds to you then in English because they totally yeah. recognize that you're English straight away. And they obviously have a policy of just speaking, you know, speaking English to you. So the kids are like, see, they know you're English. <laughs> that is so cute. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, they were. They were, they were just stop doing it. And I was like, I want to speak French. We're in France. Exactly. <laughs> so and tell me this, tell me this. Do you think yeah. when you think what are you thinking in? It does it depend what country you're in or what mood you're in or who you're talking to? Or... When I think, oh, that, that's a tough one. It, it, I mean, it does depend where I'm spending most of my time. And like if I'm in Germany for two weeks, which I mean, I, I never am. But <laughs> like if I, if I am in Germany for like a bit longer um, than two days, uh, then I start thinking more in German. Mm. Um, same with Italy. If I'm there for a bit longer, I start thinking in Italian. And when I'm here, which is most of the time, then it, it is English. I do. There's some things though where I default to German, like mm. immediately, like when I count, for example, wow. I default to German. I don't know why. Um, I can't focus if I don't count in German. Like yeah. if I if I try to count in, I mean, not like not just one, two, three, but like more than one two three if i if i go further then it's like i need to focus i need to do this in german um and sometimes i dream in german still mm. it's it's weird it's a weird mix in my brain everything is like mashed up well this is it because uh, do you remember like a little while ago people started saying about the um internal narrative that people have or they don't have like not everybody has do mm. you you didn't hear about this um, but, yeah, so this is probably uh, the one of the things that went around Facebook, and you're not really on Facebook, but I'm not really on Facebook. Yeah, which is wise, very wise, especially in these days. Um, but yeah, so uh, some people have an internal narrative, so there's constant kind of one-sided conversation in their mind. So you'd be walking down the street and thinking, okay, um, oh, like, right, what do I need to get? like today and then I need to go to this yeah. and to do that yeah. or oh, that yeah. look that bus has just gone past me like that yeah. that dress in that shop window is pretty like yeah. da, 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 da. but not everybody has that apparently really yeah yeah quite a lot oh. of um, people just don't do you have that yeah I definitely have it yeah me too I'm like yeah. that, I, I thought that was normal <laughs> yeah exactly and and apparently it's not it's not like everyone you know like have you ever done like yoga or meditation and the, the bit where you have to lie there and clear your mind Can yeah. you do it? <laughs> it's so hard for me to like meditate or to be completely like in that state of emptiness and like really really hard because mm. my mind just like I just think about you know the color of the wall or mm. whatever like everything like I start yeah it's really really difficult yeah it's like even when you know they're telling you to breathe i would be like okay here's where the bit be breathing and here's <laughs> the bit where you breathe out and it was like like you wouldn't just have a still mind and then of yeah. course any time you know that bit at the end of yoga where they get you to lie on the floor and you're meant to just completely clear your mind i just like huge noisy chatter just starts in your head <laughs> yeah i definitely have a voice in my head yeah that narrates my life 
Like, I don't know what other people do without that, but I know. Be, be nice though. If yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> you probably go to sleep a lot quicker. Like, do you take a long time to go to sleep? Yep. Yeah, I me do. too. Yeah, yeah, I do. I have a routine now in the evening where uh, an hour before I want to actually sleep, I just read, like no phone. I really just like have a book mm-hmm. and that really puts me to sleep quicker. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I normally, I do take a long time. Yeah, I think I'm blaming that little narrative in our heads. It just, it's very difficult to fall asleep because you have to switch it off. <laughs> I, I'm just like thinking the with your hairstyle today and your hair color you remind me of a cartoon but I don't remember the name oh maybe it's the Flintstones <laughs> no not the Flintstones it's like a little girl and she has like a red bun on her head mm-hmm. I, I don't know I don't know which no, one it's I think very old a very old like a French maybe mm. <gasps> yeah I think it's French Fingers I'll find it. I'll, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> I know. Well, this is very fascinating podcasting that we're doing here. I'm talking about your T-shirt that people can't see. You're talking about my hair. But you did a screenshot, right, that you can post. <laughs> I, yes, I'm now going to post a screenshot for sure, um, <laughs> which will confuse people. But because we posted one the other day, and we recorded this podcast. <laughs> it didn't work. Technology, technology happens, you know. Yeah. So we're just redoing it and just because we can. Um, So what are you reading at the moment then? Like what's, what's helping you not off to sleep? Oh, I I was going to say, let me show you. But again, people are not seeing it. I'm reading um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Okay. I don't know if you know her. Um, She started off, she is known because she started off as a blogger, Mm -hmm. um, just writing, not like a fashion blogger, but just writing um, about her life and stuff and she's written a few other books um, and this is her latest one it just came out like last week uh, mm-hmm. and I'm almost done with it it's such an incredible book about her life after her divorce and then uh, getting married again um, to a woman and like all of that what comes with like living your truest self mm-hmm. um, and not what other people expect you to be um, gosh, like this woman, like this book, it's so overwhelming. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, like oh. totally recommend it. Okay, good. I, yeah, I don't read a lot. I just don't have time, but I used to, I used to read all the time. It's one thing I'm hoping to do a little bit more of in the coming weeks. Um, yeah, you will have time now. <laughs> yeah, we all have time. It's, it's such a... <laughs> incredibly odd situation for us all to be in and very difficult to make any plans I think um you know I'm seeing so many wedding photographers um really struggling with rescheduling weddings and um you know we're all looking at hopefully coming out the other end of this and having quite a busy autumn from the looks of it I think yeah and I think in a few months this will be under control I'm sure of it um I mean, we might listen to this in six months and be like, ha ha, but <laughs> I, I, right now I am sure of it because if you look at China and what's going on there now and um, yeah, it's going to get under control, um, I think. And uh, if whenever I see those weird articles that are like, oh my gosh, we're going to deal with this till next year, till next summer, 2021, I'm like, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, 
just don't. Yeah, yeah no, just don't mm-hmm. don't read that stuff. It's good to be informed and it's good to um to make as many plans as you can. Plan A, plan B, plan C, yeah. plan D, plan E. I think I'm on now with Bomb. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, it, this it's it's been a weird I think it's one of those things where we're seeing the best in good people and the mm. worst in bad people. Mm-hmm. True, yeah. Yeah, that, I guess that comes out in in extreme emergency situations. Yeah, um, yeah, like the essence of of who you are, and I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think maybe, like, I don't know what you think about that, but um, I don't think like that. Everyone is like either, or the people are either good or bad, or I think everyone is capable of everything, mm-hmm. and d- depending on your circumstances. Um, and I think, yeah, some people under, under pressure and under, in a, in a, in, in a time of crisis, they don't, they don't crack in that way and they still keep their honesty and their integrity and they can still look out for others. And some people in that pressure, they just can't, and they, you know, just try to look out for themselves. And I guess, yeah, I guess I can understand like that it can go both ways Mm. Um, it yeah but it it is it is a bit of a strange time (laughs) yeah Yeah. it is it is and I think me personally I feel like one of the weird things is we're all experiencing it in different waves like we're we're going through different stages like I read um I went to look at some resources yesterday which were what are the stages of grief because it does feel um, like if you're one of the people that have been really affected quite quickly within your working environment, yeah. Um, then I think there is a grief. So for me, for instance, I've had to postpone something that I've worked really hard for, for the last six months. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, that's the, the thing with events. That's how the nature of them, you know, like there's a big long run up and then there's this very brief, intense period around the event. Um, and you know, I've had to accept that we have to postpone. I tried incredibly hard to make it work and then kept adapting the plan. Like I said, plan B, plan C. Um, so yeah, so I kind of came out the other side and sort of felt like the stages of grief and I looked at them yesterday and I was like, yeah, I've I've definitely felt that. And then I moved on to that. And then I feel like coming out this now, and Mm. I think what we're going to have for a little while is a lot of people going through those stages but at different times and still interacting with each other yeah yeah definitely you know so I actually feel quite optimistic at the minute um maybe naively so but I I do feel that once you accept that this is the situation that we're in Mm -hmm. um you can move forward you know yeah absolutely yeah I think it's not naive. I think it's like, I mean, what else, you know, what else can you do um, mm. other than feel like accepted and, and, and feel positive about it because um, it, it won't change. It <laughs> won't change what, what we're in now. So um, I had this thing yesterday where I had to acknowledge my anxiety and my negative feelings around everything and I really didn't want to but then I did and I wrote it down like you know when you don't acknowledge the negativity and it like bubbles under the surface 
and you feel like really nervous and anxious all the time. So once I did, like I had a cry and I could release it. Like after I named it, like really named it and, and said it out loud, I could release it. And then I felt better. And then like, I felt free, you know, and, and since then I actually feel really calm too. Mm-hmm. Like my underlying feeling now is just calmness yeah. uh, instead of anxiety. Um, yeah. That's still like in the room, but it's yeah. not under the surface, which is much nicer. Yes. I think we're probably at the same stage <laughs> a little bit, you know, it's yeah. not that it hasn't yeah. been really stressful or difficult, but you can only contain that and and be in that state for so long it is like yeah. a pressure cooker yeah and you you've been dealing with it in such amazing ways like and not all the time <laughs> you you look great you look you like i yeah you don't look stressed or anything and and you've like i know that everyone appreciated so much like what you've done for farm and i'm sure everyone's looking forward to october i am Yes, me too. I am for sure. I think I'm just one of those people that I go really quiet, like online, if I'm like having a tough time, I, I'm not yeah. like, a, you know, a sharer. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I sort of keep it in and yeah, keep away. So when I go quiet, that's when you, you know, you know, something's probably up, but then I come back and I feel when I feel better. Okay. Uh, thanks for the heads up. Now, now we all know. <laughs> yeah. Now we can. Now we can check on you if we don't hear from you in a while online. Yeah, I mean, I found, I found it really difficult because I'm, you know, our, our Facebook group is um, we've been in yeah. a Facebook group for a long time now. It's Photography Farm, like started in 2011, I think, the Facebook group. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, f- I have, I think, for the last week found it difficult to go in and know what to say and I think a lot of people feel like that so yeah yeah you're not alone in that definitely not alone yeah picking it back up again for sure Mm. so but Mm. we don't want to spend the entire time talking about the dreaded c word um so I'm gonna um uh ask you so I met with you first time I met with you because you live so I live in Brighton and you live in Hove um, and they've now amalgamated with an united city of Brighton and Hove Um, (laughs) I've never heard that (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah so I came over to meet you a while ago and uh, so I've been meaning to ask you about this because when I first met you we had a lovely um cup of tea and well I had a cup of tea you don't drink tea I do drink tea I don't drink coffee ah okay okay I think I might have had a hot chocolate or something yes that was it that's (laughs) what made me think you don't drink tea I'm Um, having tea now right now Mm. yes (laughs) Um, but you you were talking about so you were in the process at that time of writing a book was I yeah. Oh, <laughs> that actually, that was a secret. <laughs> oh, do you want me to edit that bit out? <laughs> no, no, you don't have to edit it out because it didn't happen in the end. Um, oh. uh, I, I was in the, in the, like in the talks with a publisher about mm-hmm. it. Um, but then it, it didn't really happen. Um, the guy who was dealing with it got sick and left the company. And then I, I, I dealt with another person and, and she had like a different vision of what I wanted to do with it. It was going to be about wedding photography. Um, and um, like, I didn't like, I didn't want to be 
pressed into like a mold like this is how it has to be so we can sell it Mm -hmm. and I I understand that there are certain things that you know you have to do and like are smart to do or whatever but it was it would like it would have been a completely not a reflection of who I am and Mm -hmm. uh, what I believe so in in the end it actually didn't happen so yeah I thought you were going to say, and it's out next month. <laughs> oh, well, no. Um, I mean, it, it, I'm, I think I will end up writing a book one day. Mm. Um, um, but that specific project um, about wedding photography, a wedding photography book didn't happen. So, and yeah, but I'm fine with it. It's okay. Yeah, it's funny that I got approached once by a publisher to do the same yeah. thing. And, you know, went through a few hoops and uh, it didn't get approved either. So, I mean, it does make you wonder about all the books that have never been written. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, I'm sure that if, you know, you would go with the same concept uh, proposal to someone else, or like you would just knock on enough doors, someone would say yes. Hmm. But um, it wasn't, it wasn't something I was really interested at that time, like to go through that effort because of everything else that was going on in my life. So (laughs) I was like, I'm I'm not gonna uh, tackle this now. Yeah. Yeah. So you were at that point, you were incredibly busy wedding photographer shooting alongside your husband, I believe. Yeah, Um, correct. So or he uh, was shooting alongside me. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Yes, I, that's that's what it was all under your name, and he yeah. was working with you. So you're not officially a duo in the sense of yeah. you know yeah. officially named as a duo, but working together all of the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, and both living in Brighton. Yeah, we do. We, yeah. Um, was he a Brighton boy, or was you both moved oh, to Brighton no. together? Yeah, yeah, we moved here together three and a half years ago. He's German. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met in Germany and got married in Germany almost 11 years ago. Mm. Um, now people can do the math how old I am. <laughs> 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 um, and um, yeah, and, and then we moved here three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but yeah, he's 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 not he's not English, not an English boy, not a Brighton boy. Although now he is, he loves Brighton. Mm. Uh, and then last year, actually exactly a year ago, weirdly, um, we we separated. And um, so, yeah, but he's still here. He loves the city. He loves England. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. We just don't work together anymore. Is he still a photographer? He, he never was like a full-time photographer. He just um, did it alongside me. Um, he loved the creativity. He loved the creative part. Um, and it also allowed us to just spend more time together um, if we if we did weddings together. Um, but he has another job that he does, um, and it was never like his his real like passion, you know, a purpose. Or he just did it because he liked the creativity of it, but not in a way, not in the same way that I do. Basically, yeah. that's why we also never named it like a duo or anything, um, because I always wanted him to be free to. Um, to say, oh, I don't want to shoot anymore. If he wanted to, like, um, just you know, get out of it, and I and, and me getting like another shoot or whatever. Um, so we never, we never named it um, a duo. Um, yeah, it was just, yeah, just a really handy uh, help to have 
um, and also a nice different perspective because I really love his photography. I love the way he views the world and how he framed um, things at weddings always looked really, really interesting and different from me. So that was cool. Mm, okay, so let's talk about how you first got into shooting weddings then. So were you a photographer at that point anyway? Or like, what were you doing? Like, when you um, shot your first wedding? Yeah, not really. Not like you. I know that you switched from uh, music to weddings, didn't you? <laughs> yep, Backstreet Boys shot them. Yeah. <laughs> Did you did you meet did you shoot them? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard to shoot them and not meet them, but yeah, 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 yeah. No um, way. Yes way. They no. were supporting. They were supporting um, Boyzone, and uh, like yeah, I photographed them in Dublin. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> I can't believe you got the angry boys. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't quite my uh, history. I I basically jumped right into weddings. Um, uh, I mean, not right straight into it, but I kind of learned on the job. Um, mm -hmm. I did. Uh, I was always like creative growing up, and I always was drawing and painting, and I was always bad at science in school, and always good at all the other stuff like creative subjects and languages and. Um, I always knew like I am an artist but mm. I never knew I never thought I could like make a living from it or like actually do something artistic as work mm. something creative as my work so because because just the environment I grew up in I, I never nobody around me was doing anything like that and I never had a camera until the age of 19. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I moved to London from Germany when I was 19, um, mm -hmm. first time, because um, then I moved back. But I went there for a gap year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I did a gap year program in London. Um, are you starting to remember our first conversation? <laughs> in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember talking about having a mood board of British things yeah I had a mood board and like from the age of 14 I think 14 15 till 19 till I moved out I had one wall in my room completely covered in images of London amazing um, it was it's so weird and 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 just because I, I I loved England and London and I I was dreaming of like moving there one day and not because I knew what a vision board was. I had no idea what that was. I didn't know the word or anything. But now I know that it was a vision board, like, because I, I stared at it every day. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, I moved there and I moved here to, to London. And then I did, I worked in a homeless shelter for a year mm -hmm. and a half, um, which was amazing. It was such a great time, such a very, yeah, just defining year of my life. And my parents, gave me a little camera um as a gift when i when i came here when i moved here mm -hmm. um and it was one of a, a very very tiny point and shoot um mm -hmm. one of those first ones that were sold <laughs> that mm -hmm. were like re really chunky and the the display in the back was really small uh -huh, so, yeah. the, so the picture was really small that you could see and yeah it was it was one of those and uh, i mean i was thrilled that, that was i never had a camera <laughs> um so that is when I started shooting actually during my gap year and I mm -hmm. I start I just took photos of the city of London um like 
when it, like anything that just you know caught my eye I started doing street photography <laughs> <laughs> really bad street photography um I was I took pictures of my work of my friends that just anything and I published it like on on a little blog that I had um, for my friends and family back home mm -hmm. so um, they could see and read what I was doing mm -hmm. um, and this is where where my love for photography started and my that story because I knew that after the gap year I would go back to Germany um, and I kind of because that year was such a dream come true for me <laughs> I wanted to freeze it and be able to hold on to it um, I also journaled during that gap year every single day, every single day. I didn't miss one day. I wrote down everything I did every day because <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to remember everything. I also have a very bad memory. Mm, so, me too. I don't know if that's a thing. I, I hear a lot of photographers say they have a bad memory. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking about um, doing this with you and... Uh... I was wondering if there is, and if there's some kind of connection about this need is, to yeah. record things with cameras. Yeah. I don't know if if we become photographers, if we get into photography, or we we are interested in photography because we have a bad memory, or if we have a bad memory because we're photographers because we think, oh, I'm just capturing this anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, so I actually I don't remember if I always had a bad memory, but I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how it was when I was 19, but I knew that like, I wanted to hold on to as, as much from that time as possible when I went back home. Mm. Um, and that is where everything started. And then I kind of, I went back to Germany and I started studying and um, something completely different, not photography. I studied theology. <laughs> Wow. Um, and then while I was studying on the side, I was always like still taking pictures. But then moving back home, I started um, slowly like taking pictures of people mm -hmm. um, instead of street photography because where I was living wasn't that interesting, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as London is. Um, so I just like started asking friends if I could take their photos. And uh, my little camera broke at some point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it wasn't very great. It just broke in, in two, like literally in <laughs> Like it was hilarious. Uh, and for a while I taped it even, but then it just stopped working. Um, and one of my best friends, she, that was incredible. So I owe my first camera to my parents and my second professional camera I owe to my best friend. She just showed up at my door one day with a DSLR, like a, a proper camera. Wow. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, what the, can I swear on this podcast? Well, I don't think the podcast police are going to come around and arrest us. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how clean your podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, she, she basically, because I, I, yeah, when my first, when the little camera broke, I just didn't take pictures for a few months. And then she she said to me, oh, I've just seen a difference in you in the last few months. And I think you really need this. And she handed me the camera. Amazing. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, it, I'm still I'm still to this day. I'm so speechless about that gift. And um, uh, that that's when I really, really started taking portraits of people. When I got that camera and I got a 50 millimeter lens and like really started 
asking everyone who said yes or who didn't say no. I was like, can I take your pictures? Can I take your pictures? And, and then people started approaching me as well because mm -hmm. they saw I have a big camera and they were like, oh, that means she can take pictures. She has a good camera. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and then that was like during the last year of uni when mm -hmm. I had that camera and I started doing more and more and people asking me, to take their pictures, their couple photos or engagement photos, or just like um, for applications, like job interviews and stuff. They were like, mm. could you take my photo? And they started giving me a bit of money for it. And then by the end of that, the last year in uni, I was like, this is what I want to do mm. with mm. my life. So you studied theology. Yeah. Came out as a photographer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, Fuck that. I don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> are, you quite, are you quite religious though? Oh, Lisa, if we get into that now, that would be a whole other... We could record two podcasts. <laughs> I, uh, I used to be. I grew up, um, and some people listening might, might know what that means. Um, I grew up in a very like evangelical hmm. uh, Christian home. Um, and grew up in an evangelical church, which is a very Bible-believing stream of Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and and I, I, for most of my life, I was totally involved in in everything in church. And I mean, yeah, I studied theology and I uh, believed all of it, the whole shebang, until a few years ago, um, where I really started deconstructing my faith and. Uh, especially over the last year, very, very intensely. And uh, yeah, I think I came out on the other side as someone who wouldn't label herself as a Christian anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't want to use that word to describe mm -hmm. myself any longer. So no, I, yeah, I used to be, yes, but I'm not anymore. I'm not very religious anymore or not at all. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, we we possibly we've had opposite upbringings because I was okay. yeah I was brought up in an extremely religious country. But we were the only family that weren't. <laughs> well, we uh, so my father was a Roman Catholic. My mother was brought yeah. up as a Protestant. I grew up in Northern Ireland, and yeah, everybody oh. everybody lives by was living by their religion then. So you were one side or the other. But because mm -hmm. we didn't belong to either side, we were brought up not attending church whereas everybody else in the entire country did like they all did it's a big part of the culture and society there so I think I grew up with a very subjective view of religion okay and um you know it was quite early on I just remember thinking this is all made up by like man like all mm. religions like mm. all some human has created every single one of them yes Yes, I agree. <laughs> so, <Absolutely. laughs> over time, they've grown a lot of momentum and a lot of other people have jumped yeah. in. But it's like it all started by somebody. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, you know, I, I get like, I think faith and having some sense of spirituality and all of these things, um, especially in tough times, can be comforting. But religion has been made up by humans. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know what I am right now. I, I don't think I would just use any, any label. I don't know. I don't know. And my journey is not over yet. And I'm, I'm still like, you know. Well, let's start our own church. <laughs> well, you, 
You you already have one, don't you? Photography <laughs> church. I don't think it's that hard. I don't think it can be that hard to start a church. Um, um, no, we we've got followers. Hard. We've already got followers. <laughs> <laughs> you come up with a name because I'm not good at I'm not good at that. You come up we, with a name. Yeah, we could brand this up nicely, couldn't we? And uh, I could I could be the pastor. I could just. Well, you said, yeah, you can preach. You said you wanted to write a book, so you write your own Bible. I'll write the Bible. Okay, I'll write our Bible. Yeah, Yeah. we could could have really nice posters. Uh, Especially now in this difficult time. (laughs) This is our time. (laughs) This is like a really good idea. You know, uh, actually, I was reading on Instagram the other day, which is actually not that funny. Um, I was reading... um, in, on this account that is from someone who like left Christianity and like I follow a few deconstruction accounts mm-hmm. and um, they were like be careful during this time of crisis because um, there's a lot of cults or religions and groups that like they prey on vulnerable people and they prey on uh, like um, people who yeah just feel really scared and anxious in this time mm-hmm. and they take advantage of that and yeah just like try to like lure you in with um and it's I I don't have anything against like you know if if you if you get into something like that and like just it it gives you just honest like hope you know and it it gives you peace of mind and whatnot but if it's if it's a group where um you actually get like you know spiritually emotionally abused um or they damage you in other ways, um, then it's kind of, that's tricky. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's really, really oh, Yeah, I mean, seeing a lot of what I saw was just yeah. very corrupt and, and yeah. the money, the money in religion, you know? I could see that from a really early age, you know, that mm. the, the plate being passed around and the money going into it. And mm. um, sadly, yeah, oh, we're getting deep. We're getting deep, we, but we would have a nice religion where, you know, we would really comfort and help people and um, have really, yeah. like, Sunday sermons. I already do that in Photography Farm every Sunday morning. Every Sunday like. morning. I love that when you're like, so on Sundays we attend Photography Church. Yeah. So when I read that the first time, I laughed out loud. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is really, really good. I love it. Yeah, I mean, this this podcast is, is taking a turn that I didn't expect, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and probably everyone listening is like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> what is this about? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't mean, this is, I've, I've always felt like an outsider when it comes to religion, but I do find religion quite fascinating. And, um, yeah. you know, yeah. for me, like, because I just saw it all of the time, like, but I was never allowed in. Um, yeah. Uh, so I've probably got a quite a unique relationship with it and a fascination for it. So, um, you, you know, it's just interesting to me when I meet people now who have, you know, who are particularly involved in religion or have, have come out the other side or have strong opinions. Because, I mean, a lot, I found a lot of people in England just don't really, they've never had to go to church the way in Ireland. You have to go like... Change now, but when I grew up there, you had to. Everybody went on a Sunday, um, mm. and I remember my friends when we got to the age where we started to go clubbing that they would go to, 
you know, Saturday night mass before we would go out so they wouldn't have to get up and go to the Sunday morning one with a hangover. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, yeah, so I I do find it really interesting and and I love to talk about it. But um, yeah, it is is that we we can start another podcast talking about religion. (laughs) Okay, good, good. Like a a separate one. And I think actually, if you if you if you voice your thoughts about it, you will find that you're not alone in how you feel about it. I think there's lots of people who, um, even if they had different experiences from you, they they think the same things. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know. Well, that's, that's the, put the lid back on that can of worms. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the right way, the right description, can of worms. Yes. Yeah, so let's go back to you're the girl with the camera that everyone comes to when they need a new profile picture or, <laughs> yeah. or want a picture with their boyfriends. Um, yeah. to where did the first wedding happen then? How did you get asked to do a wedding? Oh my gosh, tomorrow's the anniversary of my first wedding. Is it? I <laughs> How just do you know these dates. <laughs> I just I just I'm just remembering now the twenty second of March. Oh, 2010 was my first wedding wow wow that is that is so that is so funny that that's I mean I I not that I remember the date now I I always I will always remember that date (laughs) I always I know when my first wedding was and but I remember what day today is so I'm like oh my goodness that was yeah tomorrow so yeah the 22nd of March that was my first wedding basically I graduated in (laughs) January 2010 Mm -hmm. And my first wedding was in March. Uh, I kind of, um, I did apply to a few places um, to work, like with my actual degree, but then, and I haven't had a few interviews, but in my head, I was like, all I could think about was, I just want to shoot. I just want to be a photographer. And I just want to shoot every day. Back then, I still thought being a photographer means shooting every day. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, you shoot 24-7. and uh, and so it was really weird because yeah I, I was I was just I was shooting for like people like just for fun and privately and I, I was putting things up on my blog and on Facebook and my friends and friends of friends were the ones who would see those pictures but um, because it was the beginning of social media and the beginning of Facebook when you there was no algorithm so whenever you tagged someone everyone could actually see that photo as oh. well like all of their friends so it was funny because just my my profile on Facebook just grew really fast and organically just from pictures of my friends and flowers and <laughs> like and people were like messaging me and, and asking for like to book me and um this this couple they were friends of friends of mine um and they had seen photos of of them that I had taken um on, on Facebook and so they got in touch with me and were like oh we saw our friend's pictures and we're getting married in March would you shoot it I was like yeah of course <laughs> like I, I was completely like I had no idea what what comes with shooting a wedding I was like I'll do it and then I got I, I got four more bookings uh in the same like that was January I think or February the same time uh frame and just booked these like five weddings without having any idea how to do it and I did this first one on the 22nd of March and it was awful. It was the worst, <laughs> worst. <laughs> Why was it so bad? Um, 
it was oh, so it was a huge wedding first of all i think it was four or five hundred people whoa um, yeah uh in a really not not very nice venue um but that's that's aside you know it, that's fine but it was um it was very big it was very stressful i didn't know what i was doing um so half of the stressful experience was obviously also on me because i was like oh my goodness what what is happening the weather was really bad the couple was in a bad mood um they were really not like they weren't like full of joy or you know beaming they 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 looked all day they looked like they just want this day to be over <laughs> oh, no. um, yeah and and the pictures do reflect that like there wasn't lots of joy or laughing or anything and when it came to the photo shoot, it was really tough because the bride didn't want to like drop her um, train, like her, her, her dress. She, she was holding it the whole time because she was like, she didn't want it to get dirty at all. Wow. <laughs> um, so it was, it was, and obviously when you, when you're not experienced, you don't, you have no idea how to deal with that. You're just really shy and you, you know, you don't know how to, be fun and make them feel comfortable with you know just drop that drain you know it's going to be fun. like like just like easing things up or yeah you just have no idea so it was it was from start to finish it was it was just a miserable experience <laughs> and I came back home that day and I remember saying um to Eddie my husband I remember saying I'm never going to do this again <laughs> and then I remembered I have four more bookings wow. <laughs> already, like four more weddings already booked. I was like, shoot, I don't want to do this. This was a mistake. So yeah, that was. <laughs> okay. So the first, the baptism of fire, but you had oh, yeah. four booked in. So did you, did something flip in your mind between that first one and, and the next one? Or did, was it just a much better mm -hmm. wedding for you? Yeah. No, between those two, I think it, there was a month. Uh, or three weeks between those two the other one was in April the second one um, nothing changed in my mind I was really scared of that second wedding but it got it just got better and better like everything after that first one was yeah. definitely completely different and um, the second and third and fourth and so on like um, they were just much much more beautiful and um and, and easy like and 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 happy and mm -hmm. yeah they, they like you know like a wedding should be like they were just uh you know the couple was excited to get married and, <laughs> yeah so um definitely after after the second one I was like oh maybe maybe I could do this um and from there it just it just spiraled I just got booked out that whole first year mm -hmm. um really really quickly uh, and it grew really really quickly and organically because of social media I have to say like and yeah. it was it was a very good timing like to start um that year was like when everything kind of started a little bit with yeah Facebook and things and and blogs and wedding blogs and things exactly as well. yeah and blogs and and so and everything was very organic and the market wasn't saturated yet so mm -hmm. it was kind of easier to be visible and um and also, I mean, I'm not under any illusion. Of course, my first year was really like booked out and in that sense successful because I was super cheap as well. <laughs> like, it's not like I th I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I was so amazing. That's why I was booked out. <laughs> um, obviously, yeah, when you start off, 
Mm. Um, it's a different. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's nothing to be ashamed about in that. Like, oh no, because you, know, you, you are. It's like a you know training period. It's an apprenticeship. Even when I started, I was saying yeah. because although I'd been a photographer for ten years at that point, I hadn't shot weddings and yeah. much like you know at that time there wasn't kind of places to go to learn how to shoot weddings and the yeah, yeah. that there is now and the workshops that there is now yeah, exactly you are learning on the job like yeah. people's weddings and so I was very realistic with pricing but I put it up yeah. each time so as I yeah. got more experienced and yeah you know, because shooting weddings is very different to shooting most other things and and the way you know the it's there's not that many genres of photography where your client is also the subject yeah true true so that pressure of of having to please them so there's that added element i think in pressure so um but yeah so let's if you say you were just starting now so it was 10 years on and the current market and how things are now How do you think you would launch your wedding photography business in 2020? I mean, forget the the current global escalation of a certain situation. (laughs) uh, You know, just imagine that wasn't wasn't the case. BC, BC, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. It is tricky. Like, I don't I don't necessarily envy anyone who's starting out now. uh, not to discourage anyone it's still obviously of course it's possible um to be a wedding photographer even if you're starting out now and it's um it is a really beautiful job i mean it is i mean there's not really much to complain about um it's such a beautiful happy job um and if i if i start now so where i always start and i do that with all my workshops and i did that with my online course as well and there's people who obviously are on board with that and agree with that and there's people who don't <laughs> but I always start with the foundation of your work and the foundation of your art and what you create is you that is my deepest belief mm. um, of course there's a different approach there's people who just like take a template from someone else and apply that to their business and that's how they start off mm-hmm. um, and that's one way to do it it's it's not the way I believe in I believe in like searching yourself and understanding who you are in that moment in time of course you're changing but in that moment in time who you are and what you want um what you want to communicate uh, with your brand but also what what kind of work you want to put out there and then sell not sell yourself but like brand yourself and market yourself that way like knowing the foundation of who you are and what actually fits you because there's so many i mean so so many uh wedding photographers who call themselves natural on their websites for example they they use the word natural uh but there's nothing natural about their their photography they're more like a conceptual photographer or more post or more traditional or whatever um and uh they use that word because like it's it's something that is so strongly associated with wedding photography because we think, oh, wedding photography should be natural and it should be, you know, more, um, you know, yeah, more not not that posed and stuff. But the, the what I believe is that um, 
and it, it has nothing to do with like reinventing the wheel and like trying something you know there's nothing new under the sun and nobody invented the kiss or the hug but i believe that whatever you do whatever style you go for and whatever your shooting approach is it should be it should reflect you mm -hmm. um it should be true to you uh, for example if i um when I see uh, images of couples in like this amazing landscape and they're like this tiny in the picture <laughs> and you can't really see, you can see a white blob and that's like the wedding dress. And then um, when I see those pictures, I personally think, wow, this looks amazing. Like this is really epic. It's really impressive. I love the picture, but it doesn't make me feel anything necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and I know that, uh, it's, that's how I know that that's not me. Like when I shoot, of course, if I have an amazing landscape at hand, um, I will use it, but I'll do like, I'll use it for a handful of shots and then that's it. Like I'm a, I'm someone that shoots really up close and that's how, that's how I feel things <laughs> when, when I'm like up close and when my subject is close and when they are close to each other. That is personally how I feel things. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll have like a handful of, you know, lands, uh, epic landscape shots if I have a nice landscape, um, but that's it. Like I, do, I don't focus on that. And um, I feel things when I'm like close up and, um, and when I do these type of sh types of shots. And then there's people who um, get really excited and feel things when they um, are able to create something really conceptual. You know, even like with wedding clients, you probably know, uh, of course you do, you know, Fer Guaristi, right? Oh yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And his, his shots are like, so like thought out and like conceptual and he sees the, the stuff he sees and like how he creates his shots is so interesting. I watched him shoot once and, and it was just really fascinating and interesting, completely like the opposite of how I shoot. Mm. And we, because um, we were both speaking at a conference and I watched his shoot and he watched mine and it was and we talked about it afterwards and we were like it's so interesting isn't it because the way he shoots comes from his background and his story of movies and his love for movies and his interest for films and like um, that cinematic type of you know concept and uh, my style comes from my history and my background and what I love and what I crave and what I look for and search for in photography and the reason I am a photographer so it's kind of it fits who we are mm. and it would be insane if he called his um not insane but it would be weird if he called his wedding style his, his photography style natural like yeah. um or if I called mine cinematic or whatever um whatever word so I think like those things like trying to um you know start out in an industry um, and looking for a template, how other people are doing it. Um, that's, it's obviously, it's totally natural and normal to look for guidance and orientation, like how did these people do it? But um, I think that's what it has to be, just like a guide, but not like something mm -hmm. that you use as a template for, to do yourself. And but we see that all the time with like presets and people where just using the same presets and you can't really, you look at photos and you don't even, you don't really know who is this photographer because it looks like that other photographer, but it's someone else, but it's the same preset. <laughs> um, yeah. And 
like the same the same styles and, and like dresses and the same ideas and the same venues and the same couples often whatever like when it comes to style shoots and it's kind of a thing where um i always ask people at my workshops and 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 um and coachings and things like but who are you does this fit you mm -hmm. why do you like the question i get so many times and you probably too is how do i get my couples to relax how do i take natural photos of them my first question when i get that um, question I asked back first why do you want to take natural pictures of them mm. Mm. why is that is that you have you ever thought about like if that is actually you um, I have a friend in Germany she's also a photographer who um, is a, like very different from me and her style is like more like calm and she has very she does weddings but her photos are more like quiet and and serious not serious but yeah there's not there's not many like laughing or like you know pictures like that they're more they're more quiet images and um when I was following her before I met her in person and when I met her in person I everything made total sense to me like when I met her the first time I was like oh it makes total sense that your pictures look like they do because she is such a calm quiet like introvert and I was like, yeah. And her clients obviously like the results. Um, and, What's her name? Um, Lene Friesen. Oh. <laughs> and uh, she, and that, that makes total sense. And it's kind of, um, it's kind of, it made me, it made me think, I mean, that was like nine or 10 years ago when, 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 when we met, but it kind of made me realize for the first time back then how like our work is a reflection of who we are and it should be. And you don't have to like bend over backwards to make, you know, to, to make your work fit a certain um, pattern or like a certain industry yeah. standard or like a certain, like someone you worship and your idol or whatever, like, you know, it's, it's couple photography. So it has to be, this it has to be this word it has to be this. no like it has to be who you are because yeah. then because if you shoot that way you attract people who are like you and they will make it easier to shoot how you want to shoot mm. because because those people are similar to you so um yeah because if you attract clients who are like fooled by your imagery or whatever then you always have to like work really hard to create something mm. Mm. that isn't that isn't you but it's them do you yeah. know what I mean like just having that confidence to let your personality be a big part of the process and and Fur is very very good at this um yes yeah you know, he, yes. he had a pivotal moment in his career that that made him embrace that and has gone yeah yeah where he is now and yeah he famously when he shoots he tells couples you know at one point he he shouts to them like hey look at my penis and I know people have been on his work. <laughs> yeah. tried it and it's, yeah. you know, really creeped people out because they don't have <laughs> first personality. And, yeah. and yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is something I recently, so I, um, I hadn't been asked to speak at a conference in quite in a while since I started to put them on. The weird thing is people stop to ask you 
to actually <laughs> really talks anymore. And so I was so busy kind of running farm that I hadn't officially written or done a, a full talk in a while. And I did one recently in Warsaw for um, Mark Bakura for his boring conference, it's called. It was great fun, but (laughs) a really broad, um, there's no, you can choose a topic. Um, Mm. Great in one sense, but terrifying in the other. So I did write about the science of creativity and I looked into this and one of the, I looked into the science of why we emulate, Mm -hmm. why we copy people, like why, what that, thought process is and then I think once you recognize that it's a creative block and why you have it that you can you know same as with therapy like naming it and moving past it because you become conscious of the reasons why you're doing it and you accept that and then you look for a different path um and uh I'm going to talk about it a bit I'm going to do a version of the presentation on Tuesday when we do our live thing and um I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, it, it was just interesting because I'm not I'm an art, you know, creative, not a scientific thinker. So having yeah. to kind of look into that became yeah. really, really fascinating. To yeah, me. yeah. That's <laughs> so cool. I'm really excited to hear about that on Tuesday. Well, yeah, so- it's a... It's a very interesting process um, you go through, even as you evolve as a creative and your business evolves. But yeah, if you're starting out now, I would really, really strongly recommend to do a bit of soul searching and really think what you, who you are and what you actually want. And if, um, you know, and then choose the, the path that, that fits you best and actually fits really mirrors who you are at, at that point in time. And as you said, let your personality, Oh, it's a cat. By a cat. <laughs> Sorry. No, no problem. I was like, that looks like my cat. <laughs> yeah, gosh, she's so tiny. She's the world's smallest cat. Oh, oh, it looks like Batman. Oh, yeah. Small version that's minky just making a little oh, appearance but yeah i bet your cats they're gorgeous they're like they're like a pint of guinness aren't they black and, you know, and white. yeah <laughs> do you know since since you called coco marshmallow i've been i started calling her marshmallow too oh yeah <laughs> i thought man this is such a good name for a white cat marshmallow it's such a perfect name i wish i would have thought of that like three years ago <laughs> just um, hate it <laughs> yeah I just changed it. She doesn't have a passport anyway. Um, so yeah, I, as you said, like not being afraid of like letting your personality shine through, even in things like when you brand yourself, when you, when you use words online to market yourself, just write, just write the way you talk. Like don't use industry words and terms. And when you're shooting and talking to your couples, don't be clinical with your instructions. Just make it fun. Make it weird. Make it awkward. Make it stupid. Like, don't use industry words or words that you think you have to use because you're a photographer, a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just write like on your website and everything. Just the way you speak. You know, the way you speak to people, to your friends, and um, yeah, it's just it. That's that's all I would I would say. Um, to, to start out is really to, um, to, to start off with the foundation. And, and that is you personally. Um, mm-hmm. the, yeah. Cause I always think with you, you have like a really strong, when I think of your work, you have a really strong color palette. 
Thank you. Very defined color palette um, to the point where I, I was in H&M not so long ago and I saw a skirt and I, you know, that color, that kind of muddy, warm brown. <laughs> I was like, well, that's very Nadia Melly. <laughs> I know people keep telling me whenever they see something in that color palette, they're like, oh, I saw that and I thought of you. It's like, that is so weird. Yeah. But yeah. So is this um, uh, a, color, a color palette that's always um, appealed to you or is currently your thing, your jam, or, you know, will it always be like, because it's neutrals, it's warm, it's earthy tones, isn't it? I'm right, am I? Yes, earthy, earthy, warm, warmth. I'm all about the warmth now in my life because um, I live in England. So. <laughs> um, it's a... Uh, so it, it hasn't always been like that, um, not fully. Um, if I if I think back from, I, I will I will not talk about like you know teenage years and stuff because I didn't have a style back then. I don't know if anyone does, but I didn't. Um, but if I think back like early twenties and stuff, you, you know, having my first place and having money to buy your own clothes and stuff, not with your parents' money and or like yeah just like being more independent and starting to develop my own style what i did always like wear even back then and, and like always like was like neutrals like lots of white um and brown tones just because i i knew like from my coloring and stuff i knew oh i am an autumn type i think that's mm -hmm. autumn type right the darker um that's because you you they're categorized in uh, spring, summer, autumn, and winter, right? I think. Oh, okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, now. Depending on your skin tone and okay. your hair color, like what kind of type you are and then what kind of colors you should wear, you know? Um, I think, well, in Germany, they're called like the seasons. Maybe in England, it's different. I don't know. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what she's saying. What? Hmm, I need to look into this. I just wear any old color. Um, I, need to, I need to define my style, my personal style a bit more. <laughs> uh, you look great. I mean, I love, I love your red bun right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I always knew like, okay, brown and warm tones suit me because of my coloring and everything. Um, so I did wear a, a lot of white and neutral, like new tones back then already, but then but it wasn't as um, refined as it, is to, as it is today. And then I had a long period, about five or six years in my 20s, where I did all kinds of things, like <laughs> all kinds of colors. Um, and it's funny because even my editing reflects like that evolution. Um, but um, yeah, it was, it was even, yeah, interior, everything, editing, it was very colorful, bright, different from what it is now and then the last three years after moving here actually to England um I've I've again I've gone through a different kind of uh growth and evolution coming more and more home to myself mm -hmm. uh, and I think that is something that a lot of people experience in their 30s um anyway um and it's yeah it's kind of that becoming more of just more of who you are um and I, I kind of came back to like that warm earthiness and have a more refined idea of what my style is and what colors I love. And it just gives me personally, having a color palette um, gives 
me a sense of peace in my head. Like if I come home and everything is like in similar tones, it just gives me peace. I need that because my brain is constantly on fire. So <laughs> I need like my surrounding to be really calm mm-hmm. and like not, not too cluttered, not too colorful, not too crazy. Because otherwise, yeah, I, I probably that would not work <laughs> for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, your house, your flat is very lovely. I've been there. It has nice light. It's very neutral. It's very Instagrammy. I would say. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I love it here. I really love it. And I find it so inspiring to be here every day. Mm. Um, so it's not a bad place to be in isolation in <laughs> at the moment. I know. I could happily move in. My living space is carnage all the time. With, oh, with, I'm sorry. With, with people and pets. And uh, I'm sitting here surrounded by merchandise that I now have to hold on to for the next six months <laughs> for Thrive. Um, How many of you are there at home? So there's me, my husband, my two kids, the two cats, there's a dog. Um, yeah, yeah. My daughter's once another dog. One, she doesn't think we have enough um, attachments. Uh, <laughs> I mean, one more or less doesn't make a difference now. Well, in for a penny, in for a pound, maybe, maybe. But yeah, it is, uh, it's busy. And uh, is it, I end up, I don't, you know, I used to listen to music all the time. I used to always have like noise on all the time. And, and now my favorite thing is when everyone is out and I just have silence. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's the current color situation. <laughs> well, I'm glad we cleared that up and uh, I'll continue to think of you when I see these earthy tones out and about. Yeah. Did you end up buying it? Well, no, because it was your colour, not mine. Oh, of course. (laughs) 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 Thank you. (laughs) Um, But uh, let's talk about let's talk about the Nikon thing. So let's talk about because that's uh, you're a big deal, Nadia. Um, Big deal. So you are currently an ambassador for Nikon. Yes. um, Just, Just signed my contract for another two years. Another two years. That's amazing. I thought when you were a Nikon, you could only do two years and then it kind of ejected you out of the system. No, no. I'm going to be with Nikon for a life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> need a t-shirt. <laughs> and how does one become a Nikon ambassador? I know there would be people at home thinking they fancy a slice of that cake. Mm, yeah. So... I mean, I think probably everyone's journey is different. (laughs) Mine was really weird because I was basically living, I was still in Germany um, six years ago. I contacted Nikon Germany um, because with Nikon and I think with any other um, camera brand as well, every country has their own kind of thing going on a mm-hmm. little bit they're independent they work independently so there's Nikon Germany there's Nikon UK and stuff and, um so I, I obviously I contacted Nikon in Germany and I was like hey uh, can we work together I'd love to work together I mean I was already shooting Nikon so mm-hmm. uh, I was like um you know maybe we can um yeah do a collaboration or do you do ambassadorships or something and the person I, the woman I was emailing with and I was in contact with, she messaged back and said, uh, I'm sorry, we don't really do a lot of ambassadorships because in, in Germany, Nikon Germany doesn't really have a budget for that. Mm-hmm. And if we do ambassadors, we don't really do 
that with wedding photographers <laughs> and I was like oh burn <laughs> um, and um and uh yeah it, it's basically more of a smaller house uh, in Germany apparently and then um she uh said to me you know but I really love your work because she basically from the email she kind of I guess she clicked on my signature mm -hmm. and went on my website and she said I I still would like to like support you in some kind of way so you know if you ever want to test out like new gear I can send it to you for a few weeks um to try it and you know I could invite you to events and stuff so that is what happened basically I stayed in touch with her all this time um since ever since we started talking six years ago um we just stayed in touch she sent me you know a new lens once in a while and i could like try it out for a bit uh send it back um and then uh she would invite me to some nikon events in germany and things so it was like low-key you know we just stayed in touch here and there and then when i was living in brighton two and a half years ago no three no three years ago um it was 2017, I think, yeah. Uh, I got an email from Nikon Europe <laughs> and they were like, hey, um, we would love to have you as an ambassador for Nikon. Um, let me know when we can talk <laughs> um, and I can explain more. And I was like, what? What is going on? And then I emailed back and then I talked on the phone um, to the guys uh, at Nikon Europe and they offered me this position and I was like but how did you find me like <laughs> why like how come you emailed me and like why do you want me and stuff and then uh, they basically said that they asked Nikon Germany if they um, could suggest someone um, and this woman that I've been talking to at Nikon Germany she uh, told them about me and she was like yeah you should ask her um, and that's how that happened Amazing. And um, it was it was crazy because I I never thought of like I thought they you know they just take on war photographers or sports photographers or fashion and um, like my work is quite like quite na I'm I'm using that word but it is <laughs> it's quite like my wedding work and my couple work is really natural and it's not like you know epic or you know in that sense like huge and. It's, it's very um, just effortless, low-key. And, and when, when Nikon, when, when I had that first phone call with them, they said to me, that is exactly what we love about it, that it's so full of life and just really, you know, raw and effortless. And it, 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 has, that, it has that life in it. And it's just, in, in, in the best sense of the word, really simple. Mm -hmm. um, and... I was just blown away by the whole, yeah, it was just so surreal. And, and that's, that's where it all started. And um, now I'm with them and I'm going to be with them forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I love Nikon. They're amazing. And I can say that because I've been shooting Nikon even before being an ambassador. Um, mm. I'm, I'm really, really happy um, with them and about the opportunities um, that they've given me. I spoke like at Photokina and, um, in other places. I was going to go with them to Sweden the end of this month, but that was cancelled <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> because of um, AC. <laughs> yeah. um, we are in now. And so, um, yeah, I've had lots of um, fun things happening with them. 
Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's how I became an econ ambassador. That's, that's my story. So I guess the moral of the story is just ask, mm -hmm. uh, knock on the door. And then if you get rejected, just keep up the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, that's what happened. Yeah. I, I mean, that was like five years four or five years after I talked to Nikon Germany, I became an Nikon Europe ambassador. So that's um, quite some time in between. And um, I just, the only reason that was possible was because I kept up the relationship. Yeah. Um, so that was amazing. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because that's what it's all about. You know, most of the people we've taken on board with Farm as a sponsor have been someone that I've had you know, a drink with in a hotel bar at a trade show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you want to work with people that you like, don't you? Yeah, people do business with people and that's how I like to keep it. Like, you know, exactly. with farm, it's always exactly. been pretty organic exactly. and chilled. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. it is like when you do events, when like particularly with Thrive, like we will spend the whole week together when we do Thrive. Yeah. We travel together between the two cities. Yeah you know, it's quite intense and it's much easier to do it with people that you genuinely get on with and, yeah. and spending time with and, yeah. you know, putting you together as a group of speakers as well. Like now yeah. I've kind of experienced that on the other side and how nice it was. Yeah. It was Have you ever had like a farm event where it was really hard to <laughs> to handle people <laughs> uh, you know what i've not i've not had a complete not a divas yet um i can't nobody's kind of springing to mind that and obviously you can't name names now so. oh actually actually yeah i can't think of one now we're now i think about it i can't think of one and okay. uh and that was a case of of having somebody who was a big hero down and and just being really let down by their attitude yeah um, yeah you know and that was funny but uh, we'll we'll talk about that one day over a nice cup of tea when we can all socialize again <laughs> but no, generally it's been really really lovely and especially with this because I think with five you have to think you know there has to be a dynamic to the actual group for the event to work you know I've learned that from doing a few of them now and I think the stronger that dynamic is between you the better the whole event is because you know yeah. if you as a speaker are not having a nice time there you're not going to stay and join in the social events with the attendees and you know things that make it extra special for people that have invested in coming you know I know absolutely anything if you pay to be at it like you you know you want to kind of do you don't want to just sit and listen to keynotes and be ejected at the end um it's about <laughs> community and yeah you know yeah That's, I mean that is it is truly the best thing about events it is like the people and meeting people at the end mm. of the day isn't it um that's I, and, and that's always what everyone tells me when they go to events and conferences mm. and stuff um of course like people go for the speakers and the teaching mm. as well but um i mean everyone always like after after naming like the, the 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 panels or like the speakers the second next thing is always the community like mm. people love just coming to meet people yeah um, which is I know because when I realized that I had to postpone this one thing I looked into one of my plans my th plan c was to put yeah. the whole thing online and just yeah. on the dates that we would have been running it mm. and in the end uh, you know I've decided sort of a halfway solution which is to do this free live um 
because yeah. of course the one thing you can't replicate online is, is that genuine just in the room connections that are made and genuine friendships and you know so it was like okay I, I just need to postpone the whole thing I'll do something in the interim um, but you can't recreate that in an online space. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try. Way. We're gonna try and do things yeah. like we're all gonna start the day in our pajamas or our onesies, like um, self-employed, proper self-employed people do. <laughs> and then we change in between. <laughs> and then eventually, uh, we're going to sweats, and then it's so you know. Then we'll do things if you have a Skype call and you just put on a smart top. <laughs> 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 and like pants underneath yeah, yeah you still got your doggy bottoms and your slippers on underneath yeah you know it's, we 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 ace being at home working from home oh yeah totally it's so funny i'm have you seen like online all these tips on how to work from home like, yes every, yes like all, all these tips by people and it's like yeah we've been doing it for 10 years <laughs> i've got this i've got we know this. how to do this like i yeah. know i did read one that said um you know still get properly dressed as if you go into work yeah. and i was like what that's one of the privileges of working from home you don't have to put on uncomfortable clothes and yeah I remember one time i um had a delivery and I answered the, answered the door, I think in my onesie or pajamas or whatever. And uh, the delivery guy, it was actually for next door. And uh, the, the girl who lives next door to me is married and she's at home with her kids. She doesn't work. And it was her parcel. And he said, oh, can you take this parcel in? Like, um, she's not in. She must be out at work and kind of looked me up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is me at work. <laughs> I'm working too, really hard. <laughs> um, she's not at work. She's out having a frappuccino with her mummy friends. I'm working. By the way, this is a book idea I have. I okay. really want to do this. But my, my, the thing I'm trying to figure out in my head is how to do this with like the, with, because you would need like a model release from everyone. I, ha I have this book idea <laughs> or Instagram idea, whatever, of if a, if, if, um, postmen like take pictures of everyone they meet at the door when they deliver oh, yeah. something, yeah. like if, when people open the door and they take pictures of like how different everyone looks, <laughs> like, yeah. cause I bet they see so many funny things. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, they must that's, do. That's one of my book ideas. I love that idea. I love that. <laughs> Postman cam or something. That well, would be. If so the photography doesn't work out uh, and I have to take up a job as a, a post person, <laughs> I'll, I'll be bringing a camera and I'll be, yeah, and then I'll make a fortune selling that book and I will, I will uh, name you in the credits. <laughs> I want a royalty check though. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, I think I love that. It was great chatting to you again. I'm going to yeah. wrap it up. I'm going to have, I've got one killer question for you at oh, the end. Oh. Okay. Is that going to so, kill me? <laughs> no, it's going to be fine. And if it does, it's fine. We've got the religion side taken care of. <laughs> so if you were on death row and it was your last meal, what would you have? Oh my goodness. My last meal. I don't know if it's a meal, mm -hmm. but I mean, for me, it is a full meal. I would have, I would just have fries. Well, just fries. 
<laughs> I love like people who know me well. If people who've been out with me for food, they know I order fries with everything. <laughs> for me, like fries. If there's nothing else, like for me, fries are like a full meal. Or maybe I would have avocado on toast with fries on the side. With fries on the side, like I always have fries on the side. I just for me, fries are like, yeah, that's a full. Cup. I mean, what's better than fries? Better than- uh, okay, so what kind of fries is it? Chunky ones? Is it little skinny ones? French fries? Oh, anything. But I think mm, chunky, maybe chunky, with maybe triple cooked. No, nah, not mm-hmm. necessarily. Just just normal. Okay. And then maybe maybe with some truffle oil. Oh, fancy uh, fries. Fancy fries, exactly. Um, maybe with some cheese on top as well. Yeah, that would be that would be. I mean, if I if I if I go out, I'd like to go out like that with fries. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what would you have as your last meal? Oh God, yeah, I thought of the question. I didn't think of an answer. <laughs> <laughs> hard isn't it and maybe like at, in that moment you think of what you fancy right now like what yeah really yeah great. i like spicy food i like i like a really good ramen or like korean fried korean chicken mm, yeah that would... i bet people give you like really elaborate fancy answers and i'm just like oh fries <laughs> yeah well, First time I've asked that question, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna keep going forward with that. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was also that was the German side of me answering. It's not the Italian side of me, like <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm Irish. There's nothing wrong with potatoes. Always, oh, yeah. always potatoes. Oh. Save us. <laughs> Are you like fully Irish? Yes, fully Irish. Fully oh. Irish. I did not know that about you. <laughs> we learned we learned a few new things today. We have. It's been utterly fascinating. Um, and yes, thank you very much. And thank enjoy, you, Lisa. enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Feels weird having free Saturdays, doesn't it? So yeah. most of like, it. what am I going to do now? I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you could pop some of that hummus, beetroot hummus in the post for me, I'd be very grateful. I'll try. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. It was great talking to you.